everyone, and welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, a podcast dedicated to deconstructing films that we and you love from a screenplay writer's perspective. I will be your host, Dean Stark, and I am joined by one of my favorite nerdy people on the planet, Marcelo Inostroza. So this week, we have a movie that I've actually never seen before. It is Ready Player One. It was released in 2018 and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. So as always, Marcelo, why did you choose, out of all of the Steven Spielberg goodness that you could have picked, why this movie? I picked this movie because I think that it's, I, I first of all, it's an amazing movie. Second of all, it, it's it centers around gamers but third of all it really asks some serious questions about our society and where we're going if we don't make certain corrections to our behavior and the way that we consume media but that's that that is just the over simplification why i picked this movie but the real reason that i picked this movie is it's a really fun spielberg movie and i would love to talk to you about it but i had no idea when I picked this, that you'd never seen it before, I only, I only figured that out a couple of days ago. So it'll be very interesting to hear your viewpoint on this movie with you being a gamer. Yeah. So one more question before we start: What is your favorite Steven Spielberg directed movie of all time? Which one is it? Oh my lord! Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> He's done that... a lot of doozies. Yeah. That. Oh my god. That is yeah. really hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, if if I had a gun to my head to save my life, I would say Jurassic Park. But mm. but but I'm at, but I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go sort of a little bit um, against the grain a, a little bit. There's mm-hmm. a movie that Steven Spielberg did, I believe, in '95, called Amistad. And oh, I don't know what it is. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Check this out. <laughs> check this out. I don't know what it is about that movie, but every time I see it, it just connects with me and it just transports me in a certain way. I'm not saying that Saving Private wow. Ryan does. I'm not saying that Hook does. But it's something about that movie that just calls out to me. And I, I've never been able to explain why. I mean, it's a, it, it's not a it's not a conventional choice when you think of your favorite Spielberg movie, but uh, uh, Amistad is my favorite Spielberg movie, and I and I don't know why. Wow. I thought for sure you'd say Jaws. I 100% nope. thought you would say Jaws or E.T. Wow. Nope. I like to be shocked. I love being shocked and surprised. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, mine funny. would be – I'm going to start that such – it's a great movie, though. It's a great movie. But really yeah. random coming from you. I like it. I like it. I like randomness. So, my favorite Spielberg-directed movie – I mean, there's a lot. Like you said, like Jurassic Park is up there. But my favorite would have to be Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That would have to be my all-time favorite Spielberg movie. Uh, it's just – I don't know. I feel like it's the best. <laughs> I know people like Raiders, um, but yeah. Temple of Doom is the best. Mean, you know, I mean, the great thing about Temple of Doom is it takes the Indiana Jones – it takes the Indiana Jones formula – and flips it on the head, and essentially, what Temple of Doom, is, Temple of Doom, is, it's a awful, awful. It, it's 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 almost like a horror movie. I mean, there are things in it that are like <laughs> horror movies. I mean, it's 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 amazing. I love it for its darkness, but it also has light in it. That's what Spielberg mm. is really, really good at. 
Yes, yes. All right. So now that we've deviated enough, let's get back to Ready Player One. Uh, so when the creator of a visual, sorry, let's start that again. When the creator of a virtual reality game dies, he hides the keys to his fortune within the game, hoping a worthy player will find it. Now, just the premise of this movie, I was like, why have I not seen this before? Like, I feel like this would be a movie I would be like totally into. So I was like, really, I was quite excited to to watch it when I sort of like when the movie started. So the opening scene, it says Columbus, Ohio, 2045. And I love movies that are in the future if they're done right. But I was like, okay, cool. And we're in a place called The Stacks. So The Stacks, um, the easiest way I can describe it is it's like trailers on top of trailers on top of trailers and in between is like a staircase, is like rickety staircases. I mean, can you describe it? Can you describe it what it is? The Stacks, in case people haven't seen the movie. No, I think that's a great that's a great description of the stacks. The only thing that I would say is they look like they look like motorhomes stacked mm. on top of one another, balanced by beams. But you have to you, you also have to acknowledge that the area around the stacks is one basically one big giant um, kind of a junkyard kind of a deal. So right oh away, yeah junkyard yeah so right away Spielberg takes this movie by the throat and he he really does a great job of directing because when we actually uh see the first opening shot and we actually meet our uh character wade or percival spielberg does a wonder from 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 the point that um from the point that uh wade enters the stacks to when he goes to his van which is a really really cool location that we'll talk about to when he actually enters the oasis so i really Love that, that Spielberg really opened this movie with a bang visually. Yeah, visually um, it looks stunning. And this, okay, sometimes movies um, put music in, in a movie and it works and sometimes it doesn't. So the opening scene to this movie is, you know, that we're in the stacks. It's the poor district. We intro- we're introduction to uh, Wade, which is our main protagonist. He lives on the top and you just see him making his way down to the bottom. And, you know, there are people in their trailers and everybody's got a VR headset on. So nobody's actually like living in reality. And I thought this was really, I'll get back to the music thing. I'm, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> so um, I thought this was really cool. The, there was a Pizza Hut um, pizza that was delivered by a drone. And I was like, that's like kind of what's going to happen, I feel like, with reality. But I feel like it, that was really cool. So anyway, he goes to his beat up old van. He opens it up and it's like he's, it's like a poor man's gaming console thing. Like he's got all these sh- stuff set up, but he's poor. He doesn't have money. Um, so the reason I'm circling back to the music. So the song that was overlaying through all that is a song called Jump by Van Halen. I love this song. I adore this song, but it didn't work from the beginning. And to be honest, this movie has a, an amazing soundtrack. It has an 80s soundtrack, 70s, 80s, which is like my favorite genre of music. I mean, every single song is fucking banging in this movie, but... I feel like none of them worked. I don't feel like this movie because it was none set in 1920. No, I feel like it Are because it was serious? set in oh, 2045. Okay. Yeah, really weird, right? Because I love the music, I, 
But I just, just, maybe it was the scenes that they put them over. I don't know. The only song that worked was when they're in the nightclub and Saturday Night Fever uh, came on by the Bee Gees. That's the only one that worked because of the scene. But I just feel like they just put it in just to put it in. It was weird. Oh, well, hell, I I vehemently disagree with you on that. And I'm going to actually bring it back up when we actually get to the point where I think that this movie used a song to great effect, but we have to get there before I talk about it. Yeah, I um I I am really gonna enjoy this discussion because I feel like you and I are at different ends with this movie. <laughs> so it's gonna be a really fun, really fun discussion. Yeah, it'll be a fun one for sure. Yeah, but uh, but like I said, the soundtrack is fucking awesome. I just I I, I wanna say that it was released in 2000. I want to say that they tried to do Guardians of the Galaxy, but in Guardians of the Galaxy, the 80s music worked. It worked on every single level. But in this one, I feel like it didn't work. But anyway, let's move past the music. Let's move past. Let's move past. Um, so anyway, um, he's in his beat-up old van, and he starts saying that there's the creator of, um, of a virtual reality world that everyone uses to escape from reality, James Halliday, and the VR world is called the Oasis. Um, so one question for you. Do you now? Look, I just found out recently this was based on a book. Do you like the name Oasis for the VR world that they, or do you feel like it could have they could have chosen another name? But do you think Oasis is like a fitting name for the VR reality that they're all into? Um, I thought I thought it was something that was memorable. I thought it was something that stood out. Um, I honestly can't think of another name that I would have called it. The only thing that I would have called it was like, you know, like central control, but that's lame. It doesn't, it doesn't pop like, 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 um, like, like, like maybe I would have called it the feed or something like that. But again, that's lame. The Oasis is a name that pops and it's a, it's a catchy name. So I thought it was a good choice and I, I, if I had to change it, I wouldn't know what I would call it. Yeah, I actually really like the name Oasis. I think it encompasses everything that the VR world is. Like, it is an oasis. So, I I actually, I really, really like that name. So, now we go into the Oasis. So, he puts on the VR headset. We go into it. And he basically says the Oasis is only limited by your own imagination. So, whatever you can imagine, you can create in this world. Like, there, there are no limits. And I was like, oh, well, that's... Cool, yet slightly dangerous, but that's quite cool. You can do anything. You can go anywhere. And so now, here's another question. I'm going to have questions for you throughout this whole thing. Um, You get to create your own avatar, right? So Wade's avatar, which is uh, Percival, um, he, I, look, I don't know why he would create an avatar of of a five-point, uh, a five six boy looking skinny man. <laughs> if you can create any avatar, that's who he creates. I don't know. I feel like it's a bit. I don't know. I I liked his avatar that he created, but I thought, really, you're not going to create someone that's like six three, muscly, like someone that's like opposite to you. I don't know. It was a bit weird. But two questions. One, did you like his avatar? Did you think he could have done a better job? And the second question is. What would your avatar be? I actually, I actually think he um, he chose right with his avatar because 
Wade Wade is trying to is trying to of course hide from the world just like everybody is in this movie but Wade isn't a person Wade I don't believe is a person that is a that 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 dislikes himself so much that he changes the idea of what he would look like in the digital world Wade is just a person that is lonely but Wade is not a person that seems to hate himself or that is or that is like clinically depressed. I feel like a, I feel that a clinically depressed person would go and create an avatar that was nothing like them because they would they, they would want to escape from everything that they are. I I agree a hundred percent. I agree. Yep. Yep. Keep going. Uh, now with my avatar, like yeah. if, if I could tell me, if I, tell yeah, me if, if I could pick anybody. If you could, <clears throat> sorry, if you could pick anybody or if you could design your own avatar, like what would you look like? Like obviously you can be like Captain America or Thor or whatever, but no, like you can pick one of those um, or you can design your own. No, actually I would, you know, actually I would just make myself a little bit taller because I, because I am on the small side and I would probably give myself like a robotic arm. Like like a, a robotic, you know, you know, left arm, and then, uh, yeah, I would just be I, I would just be a normal person, with you know nerdy gear and nice weapons and shit like that. I mm -hmm. wouldn't I wouldn't like turn myself into like a a superhero because I feel it wouldn't be necessary in the mm -hmm. Oasis. I could just you know you know you know keep going to battle royales and keep collecting credits and and killing fools. I don't need to. I, I don't feel the need to hide myself because like mm -hmm. Wade, I'm lonely but I'm not but but I am not clinically depressed. Yeah, you don't hate who you who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's a good answer. My answer is slightly different. I'll explain why. So I was thinking about it, I'm like, what avatar would I have if I could have any avatar? Now the avatar I'm about to tell you, it's not because I hate myself, it's not because oh I don't like what I look like. It's because this specific avatar embodies everything that I kind of want to be, but that uh, it's just not in me. Like, it's just not me. It's, it's like an actor taking a role because it's so different to them. They kind of just want to try, try it on. Like, how does it feel to do this? How does it feel? How does it feel to do that? You'll laugh at who I'm picking. So if I could choose any avatar, I would choose Harley Quinn because I have always wanted to be that sultry, seductive, sexy, flirty, nut job, crazy, you know, people just look at her and they're like, oh yeah, just let her go. She's fucking crazy. She's fu I've always wanted to be no limits, take risks, don't give a fuck. <laughs> and obviously like I'm not and I can't. So I would hundred percent choose um, Harley Quinn. Are you surprised? No, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know why that doesn't surprise me at all? Why? Because, because, I mean, you'll get this, but you'll get this, but our audience won't. But that's okay. I've asked you to do one thing forever, forever and ever and ever. I'll never do it. And if you do, you know, you, you'll never do it. I'm sorry. And if you do do it one day, it'll be on my deathbed. But I all, I've always said, when I see Harley Quinn on screen now, for whatever reason. I just hear your voice in my head when Harley's talking. <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> so, 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 if anybody, if anybody can, if anybody can be Harley Quinn, it's you. 
But but I want to clarify. Hmm. I want to clarify. When I say I hear your voice, when I when I say I hear your voice in my head when I see Harley, I'm like, I hear your voice rewriting her dialogue in my head. Oh, <laughs> I don't. You know, oh my you know, god, you know, I, I don't see Harley wow. Quinn. I don't see Harley Quinn, and I don't see Harley Quinn and hear your voice coming out of Harley Quinn. I just imagine you rewriting her dialogue as she talks. Oh my god, I would love to write that. I think I would be write such awesome dialogue for Harley Quinn. Like, yeah, not that her dialogue in like movies and TV shows thus far hasn't been good. It has been good, but um, I think it would be a lot of a lot of fun to uh, to do that. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, okay, so he's in. He's he's as uh, Percival in in the Oasis, and now he's trying to find his friend H, and he finds him uh, playing like a God of War game. And he kind of looks like the character from God of War. If anybody knows that game, if you don't Google it, I'm not explaining it. That's what he looks like. Um, and he, so, okay. So he finds his friend and then we get a little bit of um, push, like story push. So we learn that James Halliday, the one that created the game, he's died and he leaves a message saying he left an Easter egg in the game and whoever in Oasis and whoever finds it will inherit all of his stocks, like millions of dollars and have total control over Oasis. He's hidden three keys to test your worthiness. And I loved this because it was a game trick. Like it's a, it's, it's a gaming thing. And I was like, Oh, and like, honestly, like this movie so far, I was like, I'm into it. Like I'm, 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 I'm totally into it. So my question to you is if you were in Oasis, like if you were an avatar in Oasis, would you attempt to get the three keys or would you just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Fuck it. I'm just going to live my life. Hell yeah. I would attempt to get the three keys, not to make my, well, who am I lying? Of course I would try to uh, attempt to get the three keys. I don't know how far I would get. But I would try to do it, definitely. And if you think mm. about it, if you think about it, this quest, the Oasis, you know what it is, right, guys? And this is the beauty thing about it. It's a giant multiplayer. The whole movie is like, mm. it's like you are playing a giant multiplayer and doing various campaigns with your friends. It's amazing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so now we skip to the next scene and um, Wade is talking. He's at, we're still in the game. He's as per per Percival, sorry. And he's basically saying to win the first key is a car race. And, but this is five years later, five years after James Halliday has died. Um, he's saying that even after five years, nobody has managed to finish this race and everybody's trying and you have to finish it to get the key. And so you're kind of wondering why can nobody finish this race? Like it just it's, seems a bit weird. So anyway, we're at the car race and it's, I mean, it's a cool scene because it's all, it's all CG. It's all in the game. Um, Parsifal drives a DeLorean, which is cool. I, throughout this entire movie, there's like every single pop culture gaming and movie reference you could imagine. Like you could watch this movie 10 times and still be finding like, um, pop culture references 
like in the background and like to this off to the side. Like they've put a lot of stuff into it, uh, which I thought was really, 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 really fucking cool. So anyway, um, they're in the car race. Artemis is in the car race and he turns to his side and he sees, he sees um, uh, a chick on a, um, a motorcycle and he's like, oh, I know this. I know that girl. It's Artemis. And apparently she's like a famous, she's a famous gamer. Um, she, every kind of every, I don't know if everybody knows her, but he, he definitely knows her. So anyway, they're on the car race and all the cars have kind of been blown up, gone off the race and, and Parsifal's the only one there. Right. So he's approaching the finish line. You're like, oh, he's going to finish right before he gets to the finish line this massive King Kong like rises up from the ground and basically he has, I think he has to jump out of the car and then King Kong fucking smashes his car. And so you realize, oh, that's why people can't finish the race because right at the end, like nobody can get past King Kong. And then Artemis comes right behind him with the motorcycle. Um, Parsifal grabs her off the motorcycle because she, because King Kong has like gone. (laughs) (laughs) right? He like pops up when there's a car there and she, he grabs her off the motorcycle and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then her motorcycle kind of keeps going forward. And then King Kong comes up and smashes her motorcycle. And she's like, Oh, is that it? So I have an issue with this. Um, and this is the first thing that came into my head. So in the beginning, um, Wade says the only limit is your imagination in this game. So I would pose to you if the only limit is your imagination, why do why doesn't why hasn't somebody thought of making their car invisible so then King Kong never pops up because he doesn't see the car and then you could win the race? Wouldn't that be like simple? Yeah, it would be simple, but I would imagine that James Holiday thought about that and made some modification to the game that in 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 only games related to the hunt there are certain there are certain things that people can't build with certain with certain abilities and invisibility is one of them it would have been nice if it showed somebody trying to make their car invisible and then just like not doing it because that's the first thing i thought of i'm like just make the car invisible <laughs> why does somebody do that um but anyway the car race is really kick ass it's really cool so anyway um artemis's bike is damaged and Percival says, I'm going to take it to H. H can repair it. So they go to his like shop. He's like a mechanic thing, goes to his shop thingy um, and he fixes it. He looks at it and he's like, I'll fix it in 10 minutes. Like H is a really cool character. I like H and I like H in the real world as well when we find out like what he really looks like. I thought that I felt like H was like my favorite character. Um, so anyway, he's talking about the race and he says, nobody makes it past King Kong. Like in five years and nobody's figured out how to make it past King Kong. Um, but he said, you know, if you, like, if you just put the pedal to the metal and you drive towards King Kong and he like grabs you, like you don't die obviously because it's a VR game, but you do something called you zero out, which means you lose all your stats and you, it's like when you die in a game. And imagine, imagine you're playing like Resident Evil, you're on the last boss level and the boss kills you and you restart the game and you have no guns, you have no ammunition, you have no stats, you have nothing. So people are, I think people are a little bit scared to try new things because they don't want to lose their stats. <sighs> Go for it. You want to say something? <laughs> I'll take a yeah, uh, I, you know, you know, I think I, I, you know, I love this fact. I, I love the way that this game, <laughs> fuck, sorry. The way that this movie 
is ingrained in video game culture. You know, I I love that if you grew up playing video games as a kid, there are so many things in here to enjoy to the to the to, the, to you know being shot by your best friend by accident to you know being this close to getting a goal and then having it tossed away by by some idiot that you've never seen before or having a having a rivalry with somebody who's actually fucking 12 and that yeah and, and that is so good at the game that makes you feel like sh- makes you feel like shit but the one thing that I will say about this movie very very quickly I before before Dean sorts uh, before Dean continues to push us forward I love the way that Steven Spielberg directs the opening race, his direction is so, so amazing. It's not, it's not flat. It's kinetic. It flows with the action. It's, it, it seems that everything that happens flows into the next and flows into the next. So this movie has a great pace to it. Also, I love the fact that when uh, Percival takes Artemis back to H's workshop, Percival is obsessed with showing... Artemis H's stuff. And I love when H says, dude, this is not even your stuff. Why are you showing it off? I love how I love how awkward and how nervous Percival is. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a funny scene. He's like, this is not your stuff. This is my stuff. And like Percival just like completely ignores him. Um Yeah, the 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 way that the car race scene was directed was beautiful. I mean, it just flowed. It was just it was fantastic. It wasn't boring. It was just like you you were in it. It's like you were in the fucking car race. And yeah, the shots that they used. I mean, obviously it's CG. They can use more of more diverse shots than they probably could if they were doing it in real life. But yeah, the only thing I would disagree with you on is although this is in a virtual reality game, and there were some things some gamey things for the most part and for the most most of the movie i didn't feel like it was a it was anything that i could connect with game wise like for example existence if people have listened to our 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 um thing um review on existence that had more gamey things in it like the non-playable characters and you have to collect things you have to get things and you have to you know what i mean that had more gamey things in it that i could connect with than this game did. I really didn't find many things that I was like, oh yeah, that's a gaming thing. Like I didn't find a lot. I don't know. But in saying that, I don't play online. I don't play multiplayer online. So I think that might've been what the problem was and how I like couldn't connect with it. I don't know. Um, But anyway, let's move on. Okay. So now we're back in the real world. And, um, we, we get some backstory on Wade. Now he's, he was cast really well. I don't know who the actor is, but he was cast really well because he's cute in a nerdy way and you kind of connect with him straight away. And now we find out his mum and dad died when he was young and he's living with his aunt and in the trailer park. And when he goes to the, when he goes back to the trailer, you know, his aunt's boyfriend is a dick, you know, he's abusive. He treats him like shit and his aunt doesn't stand up for him. And so it makes you like, you connect with him, you feel sorry for him. Um, and I find it funny that his bed is on a washer and a dryer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would lull you to sleep from the vibration, but I just thought that's actually a really ingenious um, kind of thing to put in there. I've never seen that before. Someone's so poor that their bed is on a washer and dryer. I thought that that was so cool. Um, What did you think about like the little bit of backstory we got on Wade? 
I think it was great. I, you know, I think it was great. Wade, uh, like, you know, Wade, I think, you know, missed all of the, missed all of the era of the world being in disarray and the world trying to fix his problems. And it's really a shame that because of the things that civilization did to itself, Wade lives in, Wade lives in a world where people have stopped trying to fix things and, and, and are just trying to outlive the bad things. The, 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 the sort of sad thing about this movie is that this movie is not too far off from where we are now. If certain things don't happen in the next 70 years, I, you know, I could see a world where there is a game that we use to escape the problems of our actual reality. And it's actually terrifying in that way. I, I think I was like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie and I told Marcelo, I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to go with this. Like my brain like likes it because it's gamey and it's fun and it's got cool music and all that. But my soul is like, this is not good because this is because, you know, PlayStation right now are already bringing out VR headsets. Like, you know what I mean? It's already coming. And I'm like, fuck, this isn't good. So I was in two minds about it. I was like, it's a good movie. I like it. I'm enjoying it. But I know this is the way it's going to go. And it's just, I don't know. It kind of just, it kind of just hurts my soul. Um, but anyway, so now we're back in the Oasis and we're with Parsifal, which is Wade's avatar. And he visits something called the Halliday Journal, journals. Like it's like a library museum of every single like memory that James Halliday, the creator of Oasis has ever had, which I think is really, I thought that was really cool. Like I was like, oh, that's mad. Um, and it's all holographic. It's like basically watching a movie of somebody's memories. And you can pick any memory you want. So if you go, uh, you know, fucking 2009, September, you know, Tuesday, 1245, like you'll, like you'll see what he was doing at that, that time. Like it's just really fucking bizarre. I liked it though. So we see scenes from his life and there's, a, there's someone called the curator and I don't know how to describe him. He kind of looks uh, robotic, kind of, but he's but he wears like a suit on top. I don't know how do how would you describe the curator of the Halliday Library? He looks like a robotic butler. Oh yeah, that's yeah. With a, <laughs> that's exactly with what a, he looks like. You know, you, you know, with a British accent. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. you know, you know uh, but but the first time I saw this movie, I couldn't believe when I figured out who the butler was. But I'll, I'll say that for later. But um, I oh, yeah. think it's really, yeah, I think it's really cool that at this point in time, as awful as society is in this movie, you are physically able to somehow download your download your mental consciousness and feed that into a VR system, and then the VR system makes a hologram of your memories. That is so fucking cool yeah that's and cool terrifying yeah like, i think that's really cool like, yeah like like look when i'm dead and gone people are gonna have million episodes a million episodes of podcasting and a million episodes of video content but to have something like this when your loved ones pass away where you can actually walk into their memories it's like walking into a giant hologram i think that would just be amazing yeah, so this is off topic, but it's uh, like you say, yeah, bringing it back around. So 
I think that's a really cool concept. So what they've got now, I don't, I can't remember what country. I think it's in Ireland. I want to, I don't quote me on that. I don't know. But what they're doing is in cemeteries, they're putting QR codes on the tombstones. Now, if you don't know what a QR code is, it's something that you, it's a, it's a, it's a little barcode that you put your phone up to and it scans it and it takes you to a website or a photo, whatever it is. So they have these tombstones with the QR codes. So if you're walking through a cemetery and you scan a QR code, you actually can see this person's life, who they were, what they did, if they had, do you know what I mean? And I think that is so cool. Like it's same, but it's different, but like, it's what we've got for now. But I think that that's really cool. You can see like somebody's life, how they lived, who they were, like what they did, what they contributed. And I think that that is, do you think that's cool? I think that's cool. Yeah, because in a way, um, in a way, when you die, uh, you are immortalized. You'll be around forever, which is, again, scary, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, uh, Wade is talking to the curator. He goes, take me to this specific scene. And the curator's like, you've seen this scene a thousand times. He's like, yeah, well, I want to see it again. And the curator's like, all right. So he takes him down the hallway and... Then a screen starts playing of a, a scene from from Halliday's life. And he watches it and he's like, oh, no, he's trying to find a clue to beat the race. Why he – the issue I have with this scene is why he picks this specific memory. I, I It's never – like I don't know. He just, I guess, has a feeling. But, again, the curator says, you've seen this and, – and let's not forget, it's been five years since, the, since James Halliday has died. So he's obviously been here for the last five years. And – so I don't know why he picked this clip. I don't know why he has a feeling that there's something, is some information in this. So he watches it and he's like, oh, no, there's nothing. And the curator's like, yeah, I know there's nothing. You've seen this a thousand times. What are you trying to get out of it? So um, Parsifal starts to walk away and then he hears the last bit, which I'm sure he's heard before, but maybe it's just clicking now. I don't know. Where uh, James Halliday says, why can't we go backwards? Put the pedal to the metal. Um and then it dawns on Wade that this is how he wins the race. I don't know how he thinks this is how he wins the race. I don't know. Um, but then we, we we're at the race, Wade's in the car, and the green light goes and all the other cars go forward and he does nothing. And Artemis is goes forward but she knows like why isn't he like she's looking at him in her review mirror and she's like why isn't he moving like why is he just standing still um and then he reverses wade reverses his delorean and as he reverts because there's a there's just a there's a wall right as he reverses there's a ramp that goes down and this is actually a really really awesome scene where He's going backwards on a track, but he's actually underneath the actual track. So he can see everybody above racing. He can see all the obstacles, all the monsters that come out. He can see everything, but he's underneath everybody. And I was like, that's so freaking cool. Um, So he's going backwards, going backwards, going backwards. Um, And then he sees King Kong come up. But obviously he comes up to the people that are racing and he just slides right by him because he's underneath him and then he finishes he passes the race um and he gets this is i thought this was really cool and this is just like a me thing um when he gets out of the car and he walks in this garden 
Um, it actually looks like Central Park and it looks like the Bethesda fountain, which is like my favorite thing in New York in Central Park. And I was like, it's not, but it looks, it's this, it's the same statue. I'm going to go there. I'm going to see it's the same fucking statue. But I was like, oh, that reminds me of Central Park. Cause like my love for New York is just like unwavering. Um, and then, uh, so he wins the race. Um, what's his name? Uh, James Halliday comes up as his avatar, which kind of looks Gandalfish, like, except he's got like a hood, he's got a beard. Um, and he says, congratulations, you've, you've won the key. Um, so the, I love that scene, but I was actually talking to my friend about it yesterday and he goes, you know, the, the only issue I have with that scene is the fact that when you play games, when you start a game, Usually, if you're a, an actual gamer, you go backwards to see because usually game designers put stuff behind you that you that normal game will go, oh, let's just go forward. But you go back. And when you go backwards, when you start a, a level, there's usually like hidden stuff there. And so his issue was like, why didn't he try going backwards? Because professional gamers, like a lot of them, that's what they do. They go back to see if there's anything hidden, which there usually is. Um, so I, I didn't think of that, but it's just his thing. But anyway, I've talked enough. What did you feel about that scene? Um, well, first I need to say that I think the, the dialogue that led to Wade, that led to Wade having the epiphany to go backwards on the track that leads to a hidden level beneath the track that ultimately leads to him getting the first key and the first clue. I thought that that was very, very clumsy on a screenplay writing standpoint. And mm -hmm. the dialogue that they gave James Holiday is just so pointed and it's so like, oh, yeah. this is exposition. It's, it just, mm -hmm. it just mm -hmm. stood, it just stuck out. I would have preferred if Wade would have done a little bit more research about Holiday and he found a secret part of Holiday's life and the information was there perhaps on a file or something else. Yes. But the the whole scene of him going to this memory library and just figuring out what he's really talking about now when he's seen the thing like six hundred fucking times it was a little bit convenient to me and a little and a little lazy and a little easy. Yeah, the one other thing I wanted to bring up to you was when he finishes the race, because there's three keys, he gets the key. And there's this huge leaderboard that all the gamers can see. And so his name is number one on the leaderboard and it says he got the key. So everybody knows he got the key, which is probably not a good thing because then everybody's going to be after him. Not that anybody knows who he is in real life, but that's not the issue. My issue is, it's not an issue. It's basically a question for you because you've seen this movie more than I have. When he gets the key, um, there's a little scene that says, oh, you know, I, I told Artemis and then she finished the race and then it's you see her getting a key and then H and then H gets a key. And I'm like, I thought there's only three keys. Like once you win the key, why are there other people finishing them? Shouldn't that race be over? I didn't, I don't understand that. No, I, no, I don't. Uh, um, I, I don't believe that, um, that holiday set up the quest like that. I believe that he set up the quest that anybody can get a key. And mm -hmm. the person who the person who solves the, the, the person that solves his quest at the very end is the winner. But just because you get a key doesn't disqualify other people from getting keys. And right. also and also by other people getting keys, it also makes the competition more interesting. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if like 
if like three people get, then you've got to like race against them. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. the next key kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, so the next scene is we meet the bad guy for the film. Um, he's played by an Australian actor called Ben Mendelsohn. Um, Aussies will know him. He's been in a lot of Australian stuff. Um, his name is Nolan Sorrento, and he wants the keys. Obviously, there's always someone that wants fucking shit that they don't they they can't have. So he wants the keys because he. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. He he he's actually the head of Oasis. Does he does he run it? I don't know if he runs it or if he runs a, an alternative company. I'm not sure about that. No, he is the he is the head of uh, IOI, which is the company that is in competition with right. Oasis and uh, right, right. A, um, and um, IOI is the second leading uh, software company in the world and. These two leading software companies that aren't mentioned besides IOI want the Oasis because they want to they want to soak up their bottom line and they want to make more money because if they control if they control Oasis that means they control everybody. Right. Okay. 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 Cool. Um, all right. So he enters the game now. He's av- so Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, sorry, that's his real name. Um, Nolan Sorrento just looks like a typical white. It, like suit like he's just he's nothing he looks like a nerdy white guy basically like 50 60 years old however old he is um and he enters the game and his avatar kind of like superman ish like he's got that superman curl but he's a big guy um i don't know how do you describe his avatar i don't know who he looks like no he is superman there's no question about it he is oh superman. he is superman that's what i thought yeah. because yeah that's what i thought he, yeah, yeah. But, but but the cool thing is he's evil superman Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's evil, super bad. Yeah, and I just you know what I, I you know I just loved it. I mean, I mean, uh, I saw this movie in the theater, and when he went, and when he when Nolan Sorrento went into the Oasis for the first time, and he came out as evil Superman, I was like, that nice, that that's great. That is, that, <laughs> that is just great. As a yeah. Superman fan, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, that's who I thought he was. I was like, is he Superman? Hmm. Um. So anyway, he enters the game and he meets someone called Irock. Which I didn't really like Irock's character. I thought that they were trying to make him funny and I didn't find him funny at all. Um, so he finds he Irock gives him a weapon and it's a it's a glowing ball and it's an an impenetrable shield that can only be take be taken down via a spell. Um, and so you're like, what does he need that for? Like why does he need something like that? What did you think about the weapon? that he gave him that is really i mean i mean it's it's a really really cool weapon and when uh um and when and when um and when um uh uh sorrento right that's his name i forgot his name all of a sudden yeah yeah sorrento Sorrento. yeah when um when sorrento you know uh uh, comes into the oasis and irock gives him this orb uh, Steven Spielberg and the writers of this film did a wonderful job about telling telling the audience exactly what kind of individual Sorrento is from from his reaction with Iraq. The only thing that this motherfucking guy cares about is making bottom line and making and making his board members happy because Iraq is excited he's he's trying to explain to him how powerful this this ball is and it's a spell and you got to do this 
And Sorrento sort of just ah, fucking around with it, playing with it, tossing it aside. You can tell right there that this guy is just a fucking dweeb and an asshole. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, it was a good character setup for the bad guy. Like, he, don't, he look, we don't get a lot of grit with him, um, but I think he's set up enough to be passable as a villain that you don't want to to win. So, um, moving on, the next scene, we're still in the Oasis, and we've gone back to the Halliday Journal Library. And we find out, because Parsifal's looking at um, another another memory, we find out that Sorrento, which is the bad guy, was actually an intern for Halliday and was basically treated like an intern, which is not to say that it's badly, but he was just treated like an intern. And so you get more of, more backstory on him and you go, oh, that's why he's a dick. That's why he has like little man syndrome because he was treated that way and he's trying to prove that like, oh, I'm better than that. Because I think in a way he kind of still sees himself as an intern. Like he, he once he gets his hands on Oasis, that's when he'll really, I don't know, love himself, I guess. I don't know. That's what I got from it. Did, did you get that or was it something different? No, I, you know, I, you know what? I, I, I always, I always viewed Nolan Sorrento as just this weaselly, weaselly guy wanting power and wanting to, wanting to please the people that he worked for, which which is the is the shareholders of uh, IOI, um, I I never I never noticed that he wanted anything deeper, or his character really didn't come off at, to me as someone who wanted to make himself better. Oh yeah, definitely. Like he was he was again he was stock standard villain, but in this movie it worked. You didn't need anything else. To motivate him, it worked. I thought anyway. So the next bit of information we get does push the story forward, but I don't know how I feel about it. And I, uh, I don't even know how to I'll, – I'll say what it is and then you can tell me your thoughts because I'm a bit confused. So we're still watching still watching the, the, the Halliday's, um, uh, I don't know, life memory. And we find out Halliday went on a date with someone named Kira. And we don't know much about her, just that he loved her. And she I think she married his friend. Is that right? She married his friend? Yes, that's right. Right. So she married his friend. So he went on one date with her and he really liked her. And, uh, you know, they, they went to the movies and he went to – oh, no, he, he wanted to kiss her, but he never kissed her. Um, and he's talking to to – his friend about it and they're like he's like why didn't you kiss her I was like I don't know I don't know so basically he's always loved this girl now Kira is dead um she she died a couple of years back in the movie um and Parsifal says to the curator this the robot butler he says Kira is the only time that 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 um is mentioned in all of Halliday's memories it's the only time and the curator says no it's not and Parsifal says I bet you all my stats that it is and so the curator goes, all right, I'll take you on that bet. And so the curator does his little thing and looks up at all the memories and he goes, oh, my God, you're right. Like, this is the only time that Kira is mentioned. And so he gives him a coin. He gives him a quarter, basically. And Passable goes, yeah, you can have it. <laughs> and the curator goes, no, 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 no. You can have it. And then Artemis is there and she's like, I'll take it. And he's like, no, no, no. And then Percival goes, fine, I'll take it. I'll take the fucking coin. And he puts it in his pocket. That is significant. That will come back later. That is fucking awesome. So anyway, oh, anything else to say about that before I move on? Yeah, I think, you know, I 
you know, I you know, I think that's an amazing scene because that scene that scene really first of all, I love the moment when the curator gives him the coin. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is I affectionately love to start calling on this podcast. That is dropping a hat on the ground. And I love the way that the that the two writers of this movie picked it up in the end. I you know, I I liked the idea of, you know, Halliday putting something in his memories that was so obscure, only a person that knew him backwards to forwards could figure it out. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because again, I feel like this information is coming out of nowhere. There was no setup for it. It was like, Oh, there's this, that's why I didn't understand it. Look, although, although I did like the writers planting that seed there, it would have been nice. I agree with you. It would have been nice if that was sort of hinted at, at, you know, if we saw Wade doing some research about something that he didn't know and then Kira's name was mentioned and then Wade found out that about the whole Kira thing. Yeah, yeah, because to me it was just like, I don't know, it kind of came out of nowhere, kind of like the uh, how to win the, win the race thing. I don't know. So anyway, um, let's move on to uh, an awesome scene at a nightclub in the game we're in oasis this is this nightclub is a nightclub of of my dreams it's the nightclub that i always wanted to be a nightclub because it is fucking awesome it's like the maddest nightclub like i was just like i was like this is the best nightclub fucking ever i would love to go to that nightclub um irock is there irock is the bad guy that that gave sorrento the fucking weapon he's there keeping it keeping track of parcival because parcival won the key and so sorrento was like told irock keep track of him um, because we need to know basically what he knows. Um, so Irock can hear everything he's saying. He's got like a, I don't know what he's got, but he can, he can just super fucking hearing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the nightclub plays awesome music, 80s, 70s and 80s. It plays, it plays doof doof music. Yeah. Um, no, it plays, it doesn't it play a 70s and 80s tracks. Yeah, 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 but yeah, but when Personable first walks in, it was playing Doof Doof music. Oh, was and it? I, was like, I can't even remember. Yeah, this is awesome. But 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 go on. Oh, oh by the way, by yeah. The, by the way, I love the fact that Percival goes in that that he sort of puts like a second skin on his avatar, and that skin is uh, the the suit from Buckaroo Banzai. I'm like, yeah, that's Buckaroo Banzai, bitch. Yeah, I had no idea what yeah, that was yeah, supposed to be yeah yeah that's i've a, never even heard of that yeah that's a that's an awesome reference uh to a to a really really cool um uh anime thing buckaroo buns oh okay it's anime yeah i don't, I don't do anime <laughs> so i have no I, idea yeah no 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 i no i don't do anime either now yeah i just yeah but i just i just know that because i'm because i'm soaked in pop culture so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, Wade is just like obsessed with Artemis. He goes to the club with Artemis and he's like in love with her. So he tells Artemis my name is Wade in the real life and she just fucking loses her shit. Don't tell me your real name. Like she just like wigs the fuck out. And I'm like, what? Oh, no, we can't do this. She's, he's like, no, I love you. 
Um, well, actually, before that, there was an actually there was a really cool scene where they were dancing to Saturday Night Fever, which I actually quite enjoyed. Um, but after that, yeah, she freaks the fuck out, and then SWAT guys come in because Irock's like, oh, his name is Wade, and then obviously he tells Sorrento his real name is Wade. I mean, how many fucking people in the real world are named Wade? Like you, you, you know, now now he's going to try and track down um, who Passfuls um, like uh, controller is, which is Wade. SWAT guys come in and they try to grab Wade and then there's, there's this really cool fight scene between Artemis, Wade, and, like, all the bad guys. Um, and, yeah, so I rock tells Sorrento, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I like that scene. I really like the nightclub scene a lot. What do you think? Yeah, the nightclub scene is amazing. Um, I, I kind of don't like how Samantha kind of just uh, – Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I called her by a real name in the real world. <clears throat> Rewind. <laughs> I don't like how, I don't like how Artemis sort of wigs out right away because although we know that Artemis doesn't go with the system that she sort of bucks against it so far as a audience, uh, as an audience member, we don't know enough to justify uh, Artemis's reaction. But with that being said, in this scene, though, the writers kind of do a 180. They sort of give you everything you need to know about the real reason why Artemis reacts in this way in one short dialogue dump. So I can't really, I can't really, you know, dock them too much for that. I just wish that we knew a little bit more about Artemis before this scene happened. Yeah, because we literally know nothing about her. So it was like her wigging out, like, I guess you kind of understand later on when you see her in the real world, but still, like, I just didn't understand. And we didn't know enough about her even when we kind of did meet her. Um, so yeah. anyway, also, yeah, sorry. I do want to I do want to mention one more cool thing. Like, like, like Dean said at the beginning, there are so many fun Easter eggs in this movie, and one of my favorites is the guns that Wade uses to, to fight the Sixers when they come into the club. The guns that he has, that he's shooting with, are guns from Blade Runner. And I'm like, guns oh, are cool. the guns from Blade Runner. <laughs> cool. That is so cool. I didn't notice that. That, that is so cool. But uh, onward. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that That's like my, one of my favorite. Um, that is really cool. Easter eggs in the movie. Well, that's not true, but that's one of my favorites. Um, so moving on. So uh, we're, in, we're in the real world. We're, in, we're with Wade. He's got his VR headset on. And he gets a message come up, pop up in his VR headset that says uh, Sorrento sends him a message because he's tracked him down. Uh, he wants to talk. And so he's like, okay. So Wade, as his avatar, goes to see him in the Oasis. And he basically says like – he offers him basically the world. He knows he's poor as shit. He offers him a penthouse apartment, four million, four million dollars a year plus twenty five million if he finds the Easter egg because he knows he's good. He knows he's got information that nobody else has. He knows he knows. So he's offering him everything he could ever dream of if, if, um, when he finds the Easter egg. Obviously, he hands it over to to Sorrento. So. Wade thinks about it. He declines because he can see through Sorrento's bullshit. Like Sorrento is saying everything Wade wants to hear, but he's getting it filtered through from someone else. 
right? Because he's because Sorrento is trying to be like, oh, I'm a gamer, I'm hip, I know pop, like I know pop culture. So every time Wade asks him a question about pop culture to trick him, he's got somebody in his ear telling him the answer, and Wade knows it. And he goes, I don't know who's fucking telling you this, but I know you're bullshitting me. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, so he basically says no, which is like a lot. Like if you're poor and have nothing, it's a lot to say no to like 25 million bucks, a penthouse for like, yeah, that's a lot to say no. So like good on him. And it shows again, character development that, you know, he, he has a good heart. So anyway, Sorrento doesn't like this. He doesn't like this one bit because he's a bad guy. And so he says, well, um, I've put a bomb at your place. Now, Wade is not at his place. He's in his van, which is nowhere near where he lives. And so he's like, oh, he's like, no, but I'm, I'm not, what? I'm not there. So anyway, Wade, there's this scene where Wade's trying to call his aunt and then his, abu- his abusive stepdad answers and says, don't call here again. He's like, no, there's a bomb. There's a bomb. So anyway, his whole district basically gets bombed. He sees it. And yeah, it's just like, I mean, like, but look, the aunt and the stepdad, are they really a big loss to the fucking story? I don't care. I mean, he didn't like them anyway. It's different if grandma got blown up and he was really close to her, but maybe they should have made it. I Look, I understand they made it so like, you know, his living situation wasn't great, but they could have made it so that you cared when they blew up his stack that he lived in because, I don't know, for me, I didn't care. No, I mean, if I look, 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 I, I, I think this movie is pretty, pretty good. But there are a couple glaring things about it that just annoy the shit out of me. Number one, the, the, the amount of power that Sorrento has and the fact that nobody questions him, even in his own company. There's, there are, there is a lot of things that a fucking spineless dweeb who own a company that Basically, you can do whatever he. There's a lot of things that they'll allow, but as a company, I'm really pissed that nobody ever questioned his sanity about how he was handling the situation. The thing with Wade's uh, aunt and her abusive boyfriend, I didn't feel anything for them either when they died. And the reason why I didn't feel anything for them is because I don't think that they were set up properly. I think if we would have spent more time with them in the beginning of the movie, it may have been possible that we would have felt something when they actually died, but they weren't really set up at all. And that's why I feel we, we don't feel anything for them or for Wade when they die. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, so there is, so Wade's kind of walking around in a daze and there's this guy with like tattoos and he's kind of following him and you think it's one of Sorrento's guys. And so he basically kidnaps Wade and you're like, oh, great. So now, okay, fine. Um, and what we find out is it's actually one of Artemis's guys that kidnapped him. Um, and uh, we find out, we've, we finally see who Artemis is uh, and Artemis is, um, actually played by an actress called Olivia Cook, who plays Alicent on House of Dragon, Game of Thrones, which is pretty cool. She's an English actress, again, an English actress doing an American accent. Why? Why do you keep making me watch movies where they do this? Oh, no, wait, the forest was my fault. I'm sorry. I take that back. It's totally my fault. Um, so anyway, um, what happens? So she, basically she says, I kidnapped you because I want to protect you, which is really, really sweet. Um and so they have a talk and you see this like chemistry 
between them and all that. So my question for you is, do you think is look the first time you saw this, were you satisfied at the actress who plays Artemis or did you think they could have cast someone else? No, I think, you know, I think the character that they got to play Artemis was really really good. She was her character really really resonated with me. All her character motivations lined up really really well. And I really enjoyed that before she b- before she opened Wade to the harsh reality of the universe, Wade was like uh, a child reaching up for pie in the sky. In this case, the pie in the sky would be Samantha or Sam. And I love that the situation that he goes, uh, uh, the, the situation that he's trusts when Sorrento kills his family that sort of gives him a little bit more perspective. So when he finally meets uh, Sam in person, he's ready to kind of grow up a little bit and fight the man a little bit more than he may have if his family wasn't just blown up to bits. Although yeah. I, I do think that that could have been set up a little bit more. The last thing that I'll say is when I was watching this movie um, today for this conversation... I kept looking at the actress who plays Sam and I'm like, why the fuck do I know her face? Why the hell do I know her face? And then when you just mentioned, you know, House of the Dragon, I'm like, oh, she's Allison. That's why I know her. That's where I know her from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, they're on the rooftop and they're talking and they're chatting and he kind of goes in for a kiss because there's an, and the actors do have really good chemistry. And so he goes in for a kiss and then it's the weirdest line of dialogue I've ever seen. She basically goes, oh, my God, I know it. And I was like, uh, I don't know. It was just a weird line of dialogue. I thought, I know what the clue is. Like, she's just had an epiphany. So they go um, in, back into the Oasis and they go back to the Halliday Library. And they figure out, look, I, again, I don't know how, I don't know how they figure out this shit. They figure out that the clue is in the movie he went to see on his only his first and only date with Kira, which is, uh, which was The Shining, and how she figures it out is because he basically said he didn't take the leap, and in his previous memory he said that he didn't kiss her, but he wished that he did, and so she kind of says, "Oh, what if the leap is he wished he kissed her at the only date they went on?" Um, which is, again, I don't know, these clues are just a bit whack for me. But what I thought was really cool is they went to the museum and they're like, yeah, can we can we get the, the Shining? And the curator, the, the robot guy goes, yeah, okay. And then they go into the movie. And I went, what? You can go into – okay, I'm fucking sold. I'm fucking sold. If you can go into any movie or fucking – can you imagine – okay, Marcelo, let's go into Dawson's Creek. What the fuck? <laughs> let's fucking do it. Um- Dude, what? That would, <laughs> dude, that would be so Come on. cool. That would be, be so cool. So, I just went, so wait. Cool. I went, wait, you can go into any movie or any TV show and there are people that are not doing this? Like, what? Oh, my God. We could go into Scream. We could go, oh, we could go into like, sm- oh, my God. Wait a minute. We could go into fucking Star Trek. Come the fuck on. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. But, oh, my God, yeah. But, but seriously, when I... When I saw that they were going to go into The Shining, first of all, 
I just want to say up front the world that I would go into before going to Dawson's Creek or before going to Woodsboro, I would go in I would go visit Sunnydale, man. With with like, <gasps> with like, yes. with like a million stakes. I would go to Sunnydale <laughs> first thing. But um with that being said, the whole sequence of them going into the shining and that the and that the Overlook Hotel was a key location in this movie. I loved every second of the scene. And the thing that I love the most is that of all our heroes here, you know, we got Artemis, we got Percival, we got H, we got, you know, show and, uh, and, um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and his little brother, I can't remember his name, but of all the, of all our heroes, H the big guy, the robot guy is, he doesn't like horror movies and he's never seen the shining. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. And, and, and what he yeah. goes through and what he goes through are scenes directly from the movie. He sees the twins. He sees the old lady in the shower. He sees, I mean, the way that they designed this part of the movie is just amazing. I love this. This is probably my favorite part um, of the whole fucking ready player one. Um, I love the fact that H was a scaredy cat, never seen The Shining. And so um, I'm, I'm, I am in two minds about it because I loved every second of them being in The Shining when the blood came out of the elevator and, the, like you said, the old lady in the shower. So basically he goes through, like, this door and every single fucked up thing that happened in The Shining is happening to him now. And he's just running. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. And I just thought that it was really, really fun and hilarious and just a really just all-around fucking awesome scene. So – he kind of um, stumbles back into the hallway where everybody is. This is what I didn't like. And they're like, we've got the key. Let's go. Oh, uh, okay. So I don't – look, as a directorial thing, I didn't like that decision that we followed H. We should have been following them to try and get the key. Where did they get it? Was it easy? Where was it? Was it hidden somewhere? We don't know. That was part of the, that. The whole thing with H was awesome, but that's not that wasn't part of the story. It was just like, oh, we've got the key now, and I'm like, oh, was it hard to get? Like, where? What? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you I feel like I that was yeah. But yeah, no, tell me, tell me. That was for two reasons. The first reason was a bunch of bullshit, but it was fun bullshit. But it was a bunch of bullshit. Right. First reason was fan service. Second reason, which kind of made sense. The reason that they made H go through all that shit is before H runs into our crew in the hallway, he fucks up the end picture from The Shining, where where, where you see all the, yes. the people in the hotel. And I think that's the only mm. reason Spielberg chose to go with H instead of uh, rest of the, instead of uh, uh, the rest of our crew going to get the key, because that that that's a clue that leads them. Uh, to, you know, to, you know, to something else. But couldn't one of the other characters have seen it on their way and gone? Wait, of wait course. a minute. Come here. Look at this. Look at this. Like, couldn't I, I feel like they could have done it another way? And this is you know, this is a, a movie about trying to get a fucking key. And so when someone's just got it and you don't know where, like, you know what I mean? It kind of it's like, like, oh, you know, you know, you know. Now that you say that, you from from a writing standpoint, you could you could have basically done the same thing, but have them stay together as a group. Have yeah. each one of them go through all this shit when they're together and have one of them 
look at the look at the picture on the wall, and that will eventually lead them to the key. But the yeah. thing that I would have done, or and it sounds like you would have done, is I would have kept them all together. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So yeah, I love the scene with age, but I don't like it because it's like it's like I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, as 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 amazing as this movie is, and how much fun I was having watching it today. The the story plotting in this movie and, and the and the amount of of things that are just there for a writer's convenience mm. are a little bit strange. And the yep. and the plotting and the way that our characters find out these clues that lead them to things yeah. are a little bit muddled and, and needed a, it needed a little bit more work, I thought. They f- they find every clue so easily. It's easy. That's that's the issue. Like with Indiana Jones, when he goes searching for an artifact, it's not fucking easy to get it. It's hard. And even when he gets the artifact, getting the fuck out is even harder. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no obstacles. Yeah. Everything's just easy in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, not to not to go off track, but the only thing I will say, uh, the first thing that Indiana Jones did, he almost got murdered by a bunch of, uh, you know, you know, you know, by a bunch of force people, and he almost yeah. got crushed by a boulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the first like ten minutes of the movie, <laughs> which is great. Um, anyway, so what happened? Oh, okay. So they enter. I love this. Just like um, aesthetically looking, I loved it. Um, they enter a room and it's the ballroom, and there's all these ballroom dancers that look. At, at, I instantly said haunted mansion, and then Artemis said, "Oh, he modeled it after the haunted mansion." I was like, "Oh, so if you've ever been on the haunted mansion ride, that is my favorite ride at Disneyland. I ride it like I, I honestly, if I could just ride it for eight hours straight, I would. I fucking love the haunted mansion. Um, so I was really that was." The only thing in the movie that when I saw it, I was psyched. I like you were psyched at the Blade Runner guns. I was psyched at this. I was like, this, that, this is fucking awesome. Um, so it was like zombie ballroom dancers dancing above a green mist dancing in the air. And it just looked really fucking cool. I love this scene. It was my favorite scene. Um, and then Artemis sees Kira dancing with one of the zombies. And it's like, oh, okay. So Artemis thinks that she has to go to Kira. I don't know, I guess. So she starts jumping from fucking zombie to zombie and pulls her out because it looks like Kira's just not having a good time. Pulls her out, pulls her to the side, um, and then gets the next key with the next clue. Um, yeah. So I, uh, did you, I, I don't know. Did you like that scene? I love that scene. That was my favorite, but just because I like the yeah. ride. Yes. I absolutely adored that scene. I love the way, that is directed when 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 Artemis hops on the mummies and she's moving them around. She's taking her she's taking their limbs off. She's batting them. I lo- I love the way that that uh, um, our main characters' avatars move throughout the oasis. It it's so cool. They 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 look and feel. They they look and feel like the way. We would, um, they, their avatars move like real avatars to me. I don't know, there, were, there was something so fun about it. I just love the way that she did it. Yeah, it was everything about that scene was freaking awesome. So, um, uh, Sorrento's men, um, track down the guy that had the tattoo that kidnapped Wade, they track him down 
and they lead he leads him straight to Wade unknowingly leads him straight to Wade um, and and Artemis because um, Sorrento knows he's got the key he's like fuck this guy we need to get him blah blah, blah. so Artemis so the SWAT guys come in the bad guys come in and. Artemis basically tells Wade, you got to go. I'll stay. I'll get, but I'll basically buy you some time. And she gets captured. Um, as Wade, this is cool. I like this scene too. As Wade steps outside, he gets, he gets confronted by a U.S. postal truck, basically. Um, or no, I know. I think the truck comes after. I think it's, I think it's H that, um, is H in the truck when he first sees H in the real world or is she not in the truck? I can't she's remember. In the truck be- she's in the truck because the truck is hers. Yeah, so she's in the postal, the the um, the the US postal truck, which is I thought that was so funny using a postal truck. Um, so he gets confronted by H, but obviously he doesn't know what anybody looks like in real life. So he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And so she says something, and he's like, "Oh my god, are you H?" And it's a it's an actress. Uh, sorry, it's an actress. It's a girl. Um, and I was like, "Oh," and I don't know. I thought her character was really fucking cool. Um, and her name is Helen. Um, so H tells him that Sorrento has cracked half of the next code because, like I said previously, when you get a key, somebody else can get it. Like a thousand other people can go get it like we discussed before. So one of Sorrento's men cracked it, got the code, because when you get a key, you get a code. Um, and they've cracked half the code and she's like, come on, let's go. So did you like H in real life? Did you like all the characters like as themselves in real life? Yeah, I did because I thought that the act, the characters in real life were even cooler versions of their avatars, and 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 I really liked that about I, I really liked that about this movie. I think I think that the writer the writers of this movie and and Steven Spielberg made the characters so likable that you really jump you you really jump on board with them almost immediately. And, you know, and when you meet Sorrento and when you meet the big corporation that he works for, and, and when you actually find out what they're going to do to the Oasis, if they get control of it, it's really, it's really scary. It's really awful. And it's terrifying what they want to do or what Sorrento wants to do to make money. So the fact that we love all these, these characters and we love how pop culture they all are, it's just amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I love what H says to Percival to uh to 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 to, to make Wade realize that it's actually H. He says, mm-hmm. you know, you know, um uh because they, they have a thing. They go they go first to the key uh first to the key, first to the egg. So I, I love that H uses their little thing to sort of identify herself to Wade. Oh yeah, I didn't catch that at all. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do remember her saying that. I do remember her saying that. Yeah, um, that's what she says to, to to sort of make him realize. Oh, it's it's H. So uh, we're with Artemis in the real world, and she's in basically like an eight by ten cube cell with a VR headset on that she can't remove. Um, and we go inside the Oasis, which is like her VR headset, and she's basically like a worker slave, and. If she refuses to do the work, then her helmet gets, like, zapped. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. Um, So after that, Wade storms into Sorrento's office 
And you're kind of thinking, how did he get past like all of it? Because that wasn't shown how he got past all of Sorrento's security. You'll find out why later. But I was like, how did he get fucking by? And I'm like, another scene where they don't fucking explain it. Um, so he pulls a gun on Sorrento and he wants to know where Artemis is. And Sorrento is like legitimately afraid at this point. He's got a gun pointed to his head and Wade, he tells him, you know, this is where she is. Wade leaves the room. Um, then turns into his avatar and you realize that um, they're still in the oasis. So he's, so his avatar is pretending to be him in real life. So what they've done is they've hacked into Sorrento's VR thing and they've made him think that he's in the real world when he really is in the oasis, which is scary because people can do that. You know, imagine the world has VR headsets and someone hacks into your VR headset and makes you believe that you're actually out in the real world when you're not. That's scary. (laughs) That's fucking scary. As long as there's technological stuff, there's going to be hackers to fucking hack it. So, yeah, that was scary. Um, So, anyway, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, they hacked into the system to make you believe it. But, okay, another question. Is that scary or is that fucking scary? Oh no, that is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. But the but the thing that is even more terrifying and disturbing as hell is the way that IOI collects their collects debt on people. Let's let's just let's take a trip back to the 1700s Britain where if you stole a loaf of bread to feed your family, you were put on a ship and you were um for 3 months and you would go to a penal colony called Australia. <laughs> And you would spend out the rest of your life in uh, where there was nothing. It was just desert wasteland. Uh, you would spend the rest of your life there uh, for stealing a loaf of bread. So, you know, it's happened. But anyway, uh, so uh, Sorrento has cracked half the code. He knows where the key is. He knows where the other key is. So what he's done is he has gotten that ball thing in the beginning, and he's erected it around the place where the key is. So it's like a force field, um, and only, again, only a spell can take it down. Um, And he's done that because he doesn't want anybody else to figure out the clue and to get the key before he does. Um, I don't know where Irock got this shield from. Did I miss that? Did he explain where he got it from, where he got the shield from? Yeah, he uh, he killed he killed the original gamer who had it, or or he or he or he uh, destroyed his avatar to get it. Oh, well, right. Okay. 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 Um, so anyway, uh, Wade uh, and H uh, they rescue Artemis, and she is on her way. She basically says, "I'm not going with you. I'm gonna." Oh no! Wait! 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 Let's go back a bit. <gasps> the way they rescue her is hilarious to me. So they hack into her VR headset and they go, oh, there's a panel above you, pull it off, and then there's a lever under under it that literally says pull. And when she pulls it, the door's open. What? It's <laughs> so easy. That was so easy. Why is there a lever in there to if it's a if it's a pri- it's like putting a prisoner in a in a cell and like putting the key in there with them. But but the thing is, people that work for IOI, working off their debt, most I mean, most of those people, most people, most of those people, aren't going to be so inventive and so, you know, 
And, and so, like, I, I'm, I'm going to get the hell out of here, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get out of here. I'm sure some people think about that, but I'm, but I doubt that a lot of them would actually want to go through with it. No, that's true. But why is that in there in the first place? It was only in there so, like, they could get her out easily. I felt like her escape should have been way harder. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, I mean, I, I will level with you on that. The placement of the release lever uh, is is a little convenient uh, for my money. So, 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 yeah. So, 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 I guess we could chalk it up to as a as another glaring writer's convenience in this movie. Yeah, it's just like everything in this movie is easy. Everything is easy. And that's why I was like, oh, nothing's hard in this movie. Like, they make it look like it's hard, but it's not hard. Um, so, anyway, Artemis says she, she they, they get her out of the 8 by 10 cube thing, and she says she wants to go to Sorrento's office because she wants to try and take down the force field. So, they let her do that. Now, Sorrento realizes he's not in the real world. He's in the Oasis. So, there's nobody there with guns. There's, there's nothing, and he's like, fuck. Um, so, he leaves his office. When he leaves, Artemis gets to the, the office, and... Uh, basically starts to try and take down the shield. Now, it was said a few times, you need a spell to take it down. How does she know how to take it down? She looked it up. She uh, she looked up she, she looked up the orb that uh, that uh, Iraq got, and she read the specs of the orb. It's literally that to, easy. And how to and how to activate it and how to. And how to activate it and how to deactivate it. Yeah. Oh, another thing that's easy. What she just Googled it. She just Googled how do you take this this thing down? I mean, if it's a force no, field, no, like no, why would it be so easy no. to get the spell? No. Essentially, she went into for the sake of this conversation, the steam store, looked up the orb, and then looked under where it says, you know, uh she she looked under the the, the manual about how to handle the orb. But oh, what? No, no, I don't hold know. up, hold it's up one second. Wait a minute, hold up. Whoa, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Okay, I know how she did it. Okay. I rock, I rock, stole the orb for Sorrento. And I bet you yeah. when I rock stole the orb for Sorrento, Sorrento asked I rock to give him the specs of the orb. Right. So that's how Samantha, that's how Sam could look up the specs for the orb. Uh, 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 when she was in Sorrento's, you know, uh, hamster ball thingy. But did that happen? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We did not see that. That's my point. It didn't happen. <laughs> so if it didn't happen, then it didn't happen. Then how does she know how to do it? Because what you're saying makes sense. A hundred percent. It I, makes sense, I, but it didn't again, actually happen. Yeah. But again, like, but look. You what what you're saying totally makes sense, but again, I'll have to boil that down to easy writer convenience. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. We we keep we keep coming back to that a lot with this movie. <laughs> so anyway, um, where are we? Okay, so Wade, we're in the Oasis. Wade's avatar is standing outside the shield, and he puts out a call to all VR users 
in the system, which is basically millions of people because at the beginning we saw literally everybody is in the VR, uses the VR 24-7. And he tells them, Sorrento has put up a force field around the final clue so no one else can get to it. And he basically wants to amass an army. He's asking people to join the fight against Sorrento. And Sorrento's avatar is standing there and he's like, fuck, is he going to get people? Is anybody get Like he's fucking um, shitting himself. And at first, nothing happens. And Parsifal, Wade, is just kind of like, fuck, like that didn't happen. And then Sorrento's like, <laughs> I knew nobody would come. And then you hear this like rumble and you're like, what? And then you see literally like hundreds of thousands of people running across this field towards where Parsifal's standing, who's in front of this fucking massive, massive force field. And it's really cool because every single I don't know about every single one, but a lot of the people running towards him um, are from pop culture. Like you've got some Halo guys there. You've got some Ninja Turtles in there. Like, you know what I mean? Because as an avatar, you can be whoever the fuck you want. And so that was really cool to see all these different avatars from pop culture games, like basically running in sequence. That was really, really cool. I Look, I don't know how much that costs copyright-wise, yeah, I really love that moment because that's the moment where the character in this film gets his hero moment and, and that's like mm. the that's like yep. the rah rah moment. But the moment that makes me lose my shit is yep. as 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 the millions of people are running towards where Wade is, to rally the troops, he fucking puts up above his head, he puts up above his head an eighties style boombox and he <laughs> starts playing, We're not gonna take it anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Dude. I'm like, dude, let's go. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit, that shit is a big say anything moment, and I just, yeah, yeah, lost my shit. I yeah, that it. was a cool scene. That was cool. That was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, that whole scene's fucking awesome. Um, so anyway, and, oh yep, hold up. And uh, just to go back to what I said earlier, where you said you don't think a lot of the songs that were featured in this movie fit the scenes that they were in. The one point where I sort of disagree with you on that is mm-hmm. in this scene. To ha- to yep. hear to hear we're not going to take it anymore come out of the boombox was amazing, and I I thought personally that that song that that song fit the scene perfectly for this moment. Yeah, I didn't. Um, okay. Although I like that song, okay. I didn't. I would have preferred something grittier. I would have preferred. Black Sabbath, Metallica, Metallica Poison, yeah, Poison, White Snake, like something gritty, something with an awesome ACDC. Like I think that would have fit better than like we're not going to take it. So I didn't, you know, because it was a gritty scene. It was like it was an army called to battle and it's like we're not going to take it comes out of the boombox and I'm like, no, you need – you need something. You need guitar. You need drums. You need like a – yeah, you need – um. Yeah, I felt a, like it. You yeah, a, you need a master of puppets moment. You need a Stranger <laughs> Things moment. That's what you yeah, need. Yeah. You need an Eddie yeah, yeah, Stranger yeah. Things uh, Stranger yeah, Things yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I didn't think that that fit at all. But yeah, that's what you needed. Um. So anyway, all these thousands of avatars start trying to take down the shield. They they're bombing it. They're throwing projectiles at it. Like, and it's actually really really cool scene. They're just trying to throw anything that they have. At the and it's obviously not coming down because it's but they're there and basically I don't think the point is to take down the shield 
to me, the point is to show Sorrento, hey, everybody fucking hates you and you're fucked. I thought, what did you think? I felt like that was the point. Yeah, yeah. And also, 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 I think, also, I think that's the main point. But also, I think that I think the writers and Steven Spielberg were trying to illustrate that people saw how, how evil, oh, uh, uh, um, uh, how evil the corporation was and people actually finally uh, uh, did something about it. They, 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 they basically were told that this is an evil corporation and if they have control of the evil corporation, they're just going to kill it. And I love how people like basically said, you know, that sucks and we are going to fight for the things that we want. Yeah, and exactly. The things that we believe in. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, so Artemis gets the shield down. However, the fuck she does that, she gets the shield down. I don't. I'm not at this point. I'm not even fucking asking questions about how they do anything in this movie. Um, and so all the avatars, the hundreds of thousands of them, charge, and there's an epic battle, kind of like in um, Endgame. Avengers Endgame, um, there's an epic battle between these avatars and the IOA. Um, is it IOA or IOI? The evil no, corporation. I- no, it's IOI. IOI, sorry. Um, so this is epic battle that lasts for, to be honest, a bit too long. Even though it was cool, it lasted, I think it was like 20 minutes, like 15, 20 minutes. Like it was, it was, a, it was long. It was long. It was too long for me because the movie's already two hours and 20 minutes. Um, they could have cut a lot out of this movie, I think, to make it a little bit shorter. But anyway, the battle is epic. There's good guys versus the corporation, thousands upon thousands. It's really cool. Um, and also you get to see more pop culture references, more pop culture avatars. Um, it's just an awesome battle. I thought it went for a little bit too long, but um, it's it's very, very cool. Did you – I mean, you probably love the battle, as I did, as I did. But oh, tell oh, me. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I absolutely love <laughs> yeah. the I absolutely love the battle. There are a couple moments where I lost my shit. The first moment where I lost my shit is where H, because H has been working on a working on a commission the whole movie, and she's actually building the Iron Giant. So when the Iron Giant shows up in the battle, I'm like, oh my god. When Sho gets his courage and finally joins the battle, he suits up in a Gundam suit. I'm like, fuck yeah. But this is the mo- I, there's this two moments that just made me lose my shit. When Sorrento gets in a Mecha Godzilla, I'm like, get the fuck out of here, Mecha <laughs> yeah. Godzilla. But <laughs> yeah, that was the cool. point where the, the the moment that I almost cried is when Sho joins the battle. The the ship that he uses to get to the battle, I'm like, that is the Serenity from Firefly. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Are you surprised I, I didn't know what the fuck that was? Yeah, but but it's okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, I knew that you were I knew that you weren't going to know what the ship was, but that yeah. moment I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, that would have been a cool a cool moment for you, to be honest. That would have been really really cool. Yeah. So, um after that, after the epic battle, um Sorrento uh, he's got his guys playing this old school game called is it Event Adventure Time or something? It's a re- it's like it looks like a game that's like Pong, basically a Pong game. 
not not back and forth, but it looks like it's like that, like a, an Atari game or something. So he's got all these guys playing that, and he thinks the goal of the game is to finish, is to win the game. So one of his minions finishes the game. Nothing happens. And he's like, what the fuck? This this must not be the game. And then Parsifal says, Parsifal, Percival's, I keep saying his fucking name wrong, Percival is basically saying the goal is not to win the game, it is to find the key and the hidden object. Um, and so he tries, he gets to the game and he tries it. So he's playing the game and he finds the key and he finds the hidden object and he wins the game. And then he gets he gets the last key. And as he gets the last key, of course, Sorrento shows up and goes, no, 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 little boy, you're not going to have this. This isn't going to happen. And then he sets off a huge bomb that looks like basically like an atomic tsunami. It's really cool. Like the effects in this movie is like fucking on point. So this this atomic tsunami sweeps through the entire oasis and every single avatar it touches, it just decimates them. Gone. So every single person, including him, in Oasis has been, has zeroed out. He's booted every single person out of the system, including himself. Because bad guys, they don't like to lose, and if they're going to lose, they fucking go out, go out in a blaze of glory, which is just like ridiculous. Um, but it's a really, really cool scene watching all the avatars. They how they die is they just like go into like coins. It's coins, isn't it? They just puff into coins, <laughs> which is kind of yeah, cool. Coins, you know, yeah, coins. You know, you know, coins or credits or coins. Yeah. So this is where the hat on the ground comes, uh, set up and payoff comes into play. So we find out Wade is still there and he's still in his avatar. He's the only one in the VR, in, in Oasis. And even Artemis, who got booted out, she's like, how the fuck is, like, everyone's like, how the fuck is he still in there? Like, everybody can see he's still in there. And even I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, how did he survive? And then... He puts his hand in his pocket and he takes out the quarter that the curator, the robot um, butler gave him in the beginning and he flips it over and it says one extra life. And I was like, that is cool. That is a gaming reference I can get behind. That is fucking cool. One extra life. That's a hat on the ground. That's a setup and a payoff. I fucking loved it. I thought that that was fucking awesome. And you're like, oh, my God. And so obviously he's got all the three keys now. Oh, no, wait, before we move on, is there anything you want to say about that scene? Because I thought that scene was cool. Yeah, no, uh, that scene was absolutely wonderful. And I love in that particular moment that that the writers, at least once in this movie, sort of set something up with some sort of satisfaction. Look, I'm not saying that this is the worst movie ever, but I'm learning that although this movie is a really fun time, from a writing standpoint, the way that they – the way that they go about structuring their narrative and the way that the characters find stuff out is a little bit suspect and a little bit convenient. But with that being said, I still love that moment when Wade realizes that the, the only reason that he's not booted out of the game is because the quarter that the robot butler gave him was another life. Yeah, it was a very, 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 very cool scene. Um so he gets the key and he has uh, three keys and they're really cool looking keys. One of them's like fire, the other one's ice, the other one's, I don't know, something else. Um, Air? So basically, what is it? 
Air? I don't know. Air? Yeah, probably. So anyway, in the real world, because he's the only one in the VR thing, and the bad guys are chasing the postal truck that H is driving. So Artemis is in the back because she's like her, her, her actual self. She's in the back. Wade is in the back, but he's he's got the VR headset and the suit on. H is driving, and there there's bad guys. And it's funny because you keep switching between like the real world and the like like the oasis and he's trying to put the keys in the lock but because every time like h turns the truck his physical body moves and so his avatar moves and so he can't get the key in which i thought was quite funny um and he's just like uh can you just like drive normally and h is like yeah you don't know what's going on out here <laughs> like i'm like, gonna get the key in um so Again, he Wade puts out a call for help because when you get booted out of the system, you can just come straight back in to the VR. You just lose all your stats. Um, so it's not like there's a waiting period. So he puts out a call. He's basically saying, I need help. Like the bad guy, Sorrento, he's trying to get me. I need help. Just like he did when he was in front of the force field. Um, so anyway, he gets the keys in. H is driving and she gets to the stacks where he, she used to live, where he, where Wade used to live. Um, and Sorrento's guys are basically on her tail and Sorrento is in one of the cars and he gets out of the car. And I just, I don't know how I feel about this scene. He gets out and he approaches the van and then hundreds of people, because Wade's put the call out, surround him. And it's basically like, you're not going anywhere near Wade. Like, you... Like, you're not doing it. And I love that. I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. And then this is the bit I have the issue with. He pulls out a little, like, not a little, like a gun, like a normal-sized gun. And he doesn't even point it at anyone. He just holds it. And they just let him. They There's hundreds of them, one of him, and they just let him walk all the way up to the van where Wade is basically getting his prize we'll get to that scene in a minute um where wade gets the easter egg but i just thought what like there's what i don't know it makes no sense like why yeah i don't i don't know i didn't like it i thought it was stupid he has his one guy with one gun he's not even pointing it at anyone and he's surrounded by hundreds of people like it doesn't take like they could have all jumped on him <laughs> like i don't know i thought that scene was ridiculous yeah, that scene was very, very poorly written because, like you said, Sorrento, for a large part of this movie, or all of this movie, has been this spineless little mousy boy that's hocked, that's hocked, that, that, that's, that's, you know, hocked up on power. He is such a weak villain. And, but, but, you know, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't like his performance. I didn't like that he was such a weak villain. I mean, the only the the only thing that he cared about was, of course, making his stock price better and making the company make more money. But he is a villain that it that really did really is weak and didn't work for me. But although his ineptitude and the way that he was written makes him made him dangerous because villains who are mm. idiots are often really, really dangerous than <laughs> villains who are, who have all their marbles in their head and who have an actual plan yeah. and who are actually imposedly, you know, who are actually, uh, uh, um, physically threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't think he was the best 
bad guy. I mean, he fit for the role. Could he have been done better? Yes, but, you know, we got what we got. I think he was okay. I didn't think he was the most terrible villain ever. Um, so anyway, now we go into the Oasis where Wade is getting his prize. He's put in the three keys and he walks into a room where Halliday's and it's Halliday's old bedroom from when he was a kid and he's in a memory of when he was a kid. So he sees himself as a kid, like playing, like I think it is Pong or some Atari game. And Halliday's talking to him and he gives him, I think he gives him a piece of, pa- I, I, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't get this. So he gives him a piece of paper and he goes, if you sign this, you get all my stock for Oasis. And then Wade is like, oh, yeah, you did that. You made a mistake, so I'm not going to do that. And he's like, oh, well, you've just proven yourself worthy. But isn't that the prize? His stock? But it, but, and, and, wait a minute, hold on a minute. And when he declines, he says, yes, you're worthy. But then in the next scene where, well, not in the next scene, it's in the next part where Halliday is talking to him, he gives him the Easter egg, which he was talking about at the beginning, which is basically oasis anyway so he gets the company anyway so i don't understand that i i don't get it no i completely get it you know that when 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 percival you know was was there and he had the opportunity to sign the 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 papers to get the stock um uh, um holiday's avatar or holiday's consciousness was just making sure that the player who won the game actually deserved the actual oasis. The reason that the reason that the avatar offered him all this shit was to find out what was the true intentions of the person who actually won the game. Right. Oh, so he was trying to say, like, did you do it just to win my company? Kind of thing. Yeah. And if Wade's situation, if Wade's answer was a little bit more down the down the lines of oh I did it just to win your company because I want to sell it off and you know make a bill make a billion dollars out of your thing I don't really believe in the oasis I just wanted to make profit I guarantee you that Wade that 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 whole thing would have been taken away from Wade right okay okay all right yeah that makes sense so anyway he's won the company he's won oasis and. Um, he's still in the back of the postal van. So he takes his VR headset off and Halliday's partner, who is, uh, who's he played by? What's his face? Simon Pegg. The guy from, yeah, Simon Pegg, Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah, he's played by Simon Pegg. So Simon Pegg says, you know, I'll sign this over to you. And he also he also says that he is actually the curator, the robot butler from from the Halliday um, Journal Museum, which I thought was cool. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So he's got the company, he's got Oasis, he's got everything, he's got the girl. Um, And I love this part of the movie because it goes a little bit in the future, not much, just maybe like a couple months. He's living in a penthouse, he's living with the girl, Artemis. Um, You know, they're in love. And he said, I decided to close Oasis on Tuesdays and Thursdays. People didn't like it, but I think people need to spend more time in the real world. And I was like, I like that. I, I would do it more. More days a week, but I like that. And that's kind of the end of the movie. That's it. Yeah, this, look, 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 look. If you're a gamer, if you're a lover of pop culture, if you're a lover of Steven Spielberg movies, 
there are so many things in here that just made me smile, just made me laugh, and just made me go, oh my god, I love the fact that I'm a nerd. And also, I love that this game, Jesus Christ, I love that this movie had <laughs> had a little bit something to say about our society, but they wrapped it into a package that was palatable for us to take. And I mm. love that this movie wasn't preachy with this message, because I hate movies that are like that. Yeah, no, I do too. I do too. Um, anything else you want to say about anything before I move on to the trivia? Yes, there is two kind of Back to the Future references that references in this movie that are kind of obscure, and I want to see if you caught them. Other than uh, other than the obvious one, yeah, go. Okay, so the two references are when Percival gets the upgrade on his suit, and he's in. Is in like the play store picking up different weapons and shit. He mm. picks up what they call a Zemeckis cube. Mm-hmm. And when he uses the cube in the nightclub, time mm. rewinds and slows down. Yeah. And you also hear a tinge of the Back to the Future theme when he uses it. Noticed it. Noticed it. Yes. And here, uh, here's another one. When when uh, when Wade is getting ready for his date with Artemis in the club, uh, there's a scene where H, where where Wade is trying out different outfits, and H is there trying to tell him that you know you don't know who you don't know who this girl is. She could be a giant man or whatever. Behind mm-hmm. the wall, be, behind H, directly on the wall to the right, there is a poster for Mayor Goldie Wilson. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Did you did you did you no, catch the poster? No, absolutely you not. Didn't catch, you didn't <laughs> no catch way. it? No. no oh, okay, no. okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. But I was like, no, I, was I like, failed on that one. I was like, that is just so fucking amazing. And I also do I also want to say that the bike that Artemis drives is a bike from Akira. Uh, uh, oh cool. I didn't know yeah, that. And I'm like, Look again. I'm not a I'm not a anime guy, but I'm a pop culture guy. So I'm like, yeah. oh my god, that is so awesome. And yeah. one more thing, the one of the one of the one of the toy models that Percival takes out of H's lunchbox when he first takes Artemis to H's workshop is the Galactica thing. Is is he he has a H has a model of the Galactica from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. All right. Cool. I didn't notice much, to be honest. How oh, cool! You can go to your trivia now. <laughs> oh my god! I should have though. I feel like I'm failing as a pop culture aficionado. It's all, all right. right. It's okay. All right. Well, that's what I have you for, because you notice all this stuff and you bring it up, which yeah. makes it more interesting. I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, uh, trivia. Now listen, there was a lot of trivia about um, Ready Player One. Ninety-five percent of it was boring. So I don't have a lot of trivia. I always try to get the most interesting facts that people may or may not know of. So I've only got a few because there's a lot of bullshit. Not bullshit. There's just a lot of shit trivia out out there about this movie. All right. So Christopher Nolan, Robert Zemeckis, and Peter Jackson were all considered for directors. I think, listen, Robert Zemeckis, yes. Peter Jackson, maybe. Christopher Nolan, no way. What say you? Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan... No way. Peter Jackson, maybe. Mm. Robert Zemeckis, yes. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, hell yes. And the yeah, reason yeah. why 
The, really quick here before you get, go on to your next trivia. The reason why yeah. I say that is because this book, I, this this film is based on a book. And yeah. the book is filled with a hundred more t- times Steven Spielberg's St- – oh, Jesus Christ. The book is filled with – oh, God. The book is filmed – the book is filled with Steven Spielberg references – up the yin yang, and I like the, <laughs> and and I love the fact that an author who obviously loved Spielberg growing up uh, had a chance to 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 get his book uh, to get his book adapted by his favorite director growing up. I, I find yeah. that to be so awesome and so That's wonderful. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. Really, really I'm cool. with your trivia. No, that is a really cool fact. Okay, so. Michael Keaton, Tom Cruise, and Tom Hanks were all considered to play the role of Halliday. Uh, Michael Keaton, yes. Tom Cruise, no. Tom Hanks, yeah. I think. Uh, eh, no, no, and no. I don't. I don't. I don't like any of the choices because I, I feel. I feel that those choices would have sort of distracted from the character of Holiday. I thought. Oh, that's uh, true. I yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that um, that uh, Rylance um, did a great did a job. Great job. Mm. Yeah, and he was able he was able to really uh, emote Holiday's Holiday's really uncomfortableness with the actual world. So you really yeah. understood him as a character, and you really understood why he did why he did. You really understood uh, why he created the Oasis. Yeah, uh, I yeah. feel. No, I agree. And also, I feel if those other uh, actors were in the movie, I think that I would have seen them uh, rather than the character. Yep, I agree. I agree with you. Um, uh, okay, so Elle Fanning was considered for the role of Artemis. She would have done a good job, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, that 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 would that would have been interesting. For sure. Yeah, Elf Fanning is good. Um, and the last bit of tri- – I don't know if this is trivia or not, but apparently they're gearing up to do a Ready Player 2. Uh, no, it's not trivia. They are gearing up to do a Ready Player 2. It's been oh, in production for a while now, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Is it in production hell? It's, sorry, is it in development hell? <laughs> yeah, production hell, development hell, turnaround, what have you, yeah. Oh, jeez. All right. I would, I'd love to see the second part. Um, yeah, that would be cool. I'm going to wrap it up. I have something, we have something special for you. I don't know. Is it special? It's special for me. So on next week's podcast, we have 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Um, I'm very, very excited um, to do that. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, if you would like to request us review a movie, review a movie, uh, you can email us at the mixtape pod at AOL. Dot com And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy all our episodes and I hope you'll come back next week for The Wizard of Oz. And please remember, never forget that if somebody is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they really love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.